Welcome to the Diving Pod. I'm Erica Sorgi, 20-time U.S. national champion and FINA certified diving judge for the United States. And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I'm Aaron Rooney. And once again, this podcast is brought to you by the wonderful people at Sideline Scout. Uh, Poolside Live is their video replay tool. Get over to sidelinescout.com. Check that out at a bare minimum. They just had a new update come out where you can kind of scan this QR code and it downloads the video that just that you just did basically the dive that you just did. So you don't have to record the screen, uh, which is super nice. It's absolutely amazing. So like I said, sidelinescout.com, get yourself hooked up with the best in the business. Awesome. So Erica, just kind of jumping right in here, just kind of walk us through your diving journey, um, you know, throughout high school, maybe touch on recruiting. A lot of our young listeners have really asked how the recruiting process works and then where you are now and how you got there. Yeah, sure. Happy to do that. So I started diving when I was eight years old. Um, My parents moved us from Massachusetts to Mission Viejo, California, of all places. So I was blessed with one of the best teams in the country, some of the best coaches in the country, and one of the best facilities in the country. Um, By the time I was 13 years old, I had made a name for myself on the senior national scene. Um, I competed in my first televised event the um, U.S. Olympic Festival um, in 1995. And then in 1996, I would say that was really my breakout year. I was 14 years old. I'd won a few junior national titles. Um, But at senior nationals, two weeks after the Atlanta 1996 Olympic Games, I became one of the youngest U.S. national champions in women's three-meter springboard ever at 14 years old. So it was really right from then, you know, right after Atlanta that, you know, the talk track in the media and in USA Diving was this girl's going to be our can't miss Olympian for Sydney 2000. So over the course of uh, the next four years between 1996 and uh, 2000, I um, was junior world champion. I was on two senior World Cup teams. I was on the Goodwill Games team, the Pan American Games team. I just was shy of a medal on women's three meter at the Pan Am Games uh, by less than a point. So that is how much judging matters. <laughs> missed that podium by less than a point. It is heartbreaking. Um, I also lost two junior world medals by less than a point um, or gold medals, not medals. I ended up in bronze, if you can believe that, by less than a point. Um, yeah, so by the time I was 17, I was definitely the favorite um, for women's three meter for the United States for Sydney 2000. And unfortunately, in the summer of 1999, while I was at that Pan American Games, I was sitting watching an event as we do with other fellow athletes and a male diver made a incredibly insensitive remark about my weight, um, which unfortunately tailspinned me into an eating disorder. Um, It started right then and there. I just stopped eating at 16 years old. Um, And it lasted me for a good 15 years. Um, It's something that happens in diving. But um, yeah, so that combined with the fact that my coach at the time ended up getting a college position, his dream college position. So he left Mission Viejo. So I left Mission Viejo. And again, all of this is happening within 12 months of the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games where, you know, I was a USOC sponsored athlete on the cover of USA Diving Magazine being interviewed you know, I was in Jerry Maguire and Jerry Maguire said, Erica Sorgi, you'll see her in the next Olympics. And ultimately it didn't work out. Um, I showed up to Olympic trials after really not having trained much the entire six months before then. Um, NBC chose to interview the four favorites who were myself, Laura Wilkinson, Mark Ruiz and Troy Dumay. And, you know, I'm sure that they thought the interview at that point in time was going to be the success story of the teenage phenom, all of these things. But unfortunately, right before we went on the air, she asked me if she could ask me about my eating disorder, you know, on NBC, on air at 17 years old. And it was just really tough. Um, So I ended up 
as I think I mentioned, I finaled um, in both three meter and 10 meter, but I did not make the team. And that was really hard for me. Um, at that point in time, I had had a, a full ride to Stanford University and I was supposed to start um, in the fall of 2000. But given all of what I had been through and with the instability with my weight, um, I decided to defer a year. And so I went to Stanford um, and unfortunately my heart just wasn't in it anymore. It was really hard for me to get my eating disorder under control. And by sophomore year, I was medically released. Um, I believe I was the second athlete in Stanford University history to be medically released on a non-physical career ending injury. Um, but I have to say, you know, and I gave incredible kudos and thanks to Rick Schiavone, the coach at Stanford at the time for supporting me as a human being. First and foremost, I ended up going on to have an incredible, incredible experience at Stanford. I really figured out who I was outside of that identity of just being Erica, the diver. And, you know, for me at the time, Erica the failed diver because I didn't make the Olympics. And that was something that people had talked about for so many years. So I went on and, you know, I, it was too painful for me to watch some of the Olympic games. Um, I watched Laura win in 2000. That was amazing. I was so happy for her. We had room together so many times on competitions as team USA athletes do, but I didn't watch 2004. I didn't watch 2008. Um, I ended up watching David Wadaya in 2012. And that was just incredible. And it kind of really inspired my heart to sort of have some of the conversations that I needed to have with my old coach, with some other people to really get the healing and the closure um, around my career. Because, you know, when my coach left, we didn't really talk that much about what happened. So I ended up going to the 2016 Olympic trials as a fan. I had that sit down conversation with my, with my old coach. We had incredible closure, you know, I cried, he cried. It, it was great. Um, and a friend, a coach snuck me down. I'm not going to say who it is because he wasn't supposed to do this, but got me a deck pass at Olympic trials. And so I went down and you know, he kind of walked around and said, hey, do you guys remember Erica Sorgi? This is her. And like the coaches just lost their minds. They were like, we haven't seen you since Olympic trials in 2000. What have you been doing? So great to see you back. So I really felt the love of the diving community and just felt like I was finally at peace with my career and how it all had gone down. So it was two years later that I was at the pool opening, Mission Viejo, got a facelift, got a brand new platform, and it was a big reunion. You know, Ron O'Brien came, Greg Luganis came, a lot of the legends from the 80s. Um, I was a 90s diver, so obviously there was a lot of pressure on the divers in the 90s to continue up the success of the 80s in Mission Viejo. And it was at that reunion that Tim O'Brien, um, who was, you know, a U.S. Olympic team coach and a great diver in his own right and the son of Ron O'Brien, said to me, hey, you know, what are you doing? Would you like to judge? We need people like you because a lot of us who've been doing it for a while are getting older. We're going to age out of FINA and we need the next generation to take over and you would be perfect with your background. And if you have the time, we'd love to get you FINA certified. So that kind of uh, took place in 2018. In 2019, <laughs> I went to the FINA Grand Prix in Canada, which was actually the first um, Grand Prix that I won at 15 years old in Victoria. And so it was kind of like coming home and I, I met all the international coaches and they remembered me. And I mean, again, everybody was just like, what happened to you? Where did you go? Um, and it was so neat. So I got certified there. Um, and then over the course of the last three years, I have been um, doing a lot on the collegiate circuit. I have done SECs, uh, Pac-12s, NCAA men's, NCAA women's, um, a lot of USA diving stuff. And I had the honor and privilege of being chosen as a judge for the 2020-2021 Tokyo US Olympic team trials, which was just so cool. That, that, that that's awesome yeah there yeah. i mean there's a lot to unpack there i'm so happy you kind of went through everything um it sounded like 
you know, without digging, you know, too deep into things, it sounds like it took a little while for you to um, kind of, I guess, find yourself again. Um, is that how you would describe it? You know, coming back to the sport after a while, getting such a warm welcome back from everybody who kind of missed you. What was that feeling like? Oh, just incredible. I mean, the diving community is so special and the friendships that you make along the way um, as an athlete or as a coach, these are lifelong friendships. I feel like we're all part of just this special niche community. And for whatever reason, I've been able to go 20 years without seeing and talking to people and then seeing them on a pool deck. And it truly feels like yesterday. Whereas you go to your high school reunion and you talk to people who you haven't seen in 20 years and you're like, this is so awkward. I have no idea what to say to you. Cool. Like, so, (laughs) you know, it wasn't like that with diving. It just, you know, you go through such a unique experience and to choose the sport that we've all chosen to be passionate about, it really is a common bond. And I'm just so grateful because diving gave me so much, you know, I, I think that's an important message too, for these kids today that, you know, one event or one accomplishment does not define you. And it's really about the journey along the way. And, you know, the experiences you have along the way and yeah, just don't let the totality of one accomplishment or the totality of the lack of one accomplishment define you. And and it took me a while to really recognize that and to be able to accept that because people tell you that but like you know it's hard it's really hard Mm -hmm. yeah it's been great so I did have one follow-up question um and if you're not comfortable answering obviously that's okay but my question for you would be more for our listeners if they ever would find themselves going through something similar to what you did you know what advice would you give to a young athlete that maybe is going through an eating disorder or maybe even a coach? Like what are some signs we can look for to maybe help that athlete um, a little earlier in that process? Just maybe so if our listeners are going through that, they kind of can hear a voice that's been through it and is working on it probably as a, on a daily basis. So. Yeah, I think first and foremost, I would say to the girls and the women out there that you're not alone. Um, And goodness gracious, I think today, even more so than in the 90s with social media and filtering, my gosh, it's just so much pressure to look a certain way. And, you know, I think that I would encourage the girls out there to really have confidence in themselves if you are strong and you are fit and you are healthy and you are making your dives, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you gain five pounds, if you lose five pounds, what matters is that you're healthy and fit and that you're making your dives. Mm -hmm. And everybody has a different body type. You know, we've seen it with at the Olympic games, we've seen it at the junior level, you know, and it's okay to have a different body type. Um, And I would just encourage them to really recognize it and get help because there's a lot of support groups out there. And that was the first thing my parents put me into was an eating disorder support group, have talking to other girls and guys um, who have gone through it really provides a sense of community that you're not alone. um, And you can really get some great coping skills. And then I would say as a coach, especially male coaches, I'm sure it's really awkward um, to talk to your athletes about that. So, you know, maybe start with the parents, um, you know, just to kind of figure out how to tread. But if you see an athlete that loses 10, 15, 20 pounds in a short amount of time, I'm talking one month, six weeks, there's something going on. That's not, there is absolutely something going on. Um, And especially if that athlete is kind of not talking about it, or they're just kind of trying to fly under the radar and saying, no, I'm fine. I'm still eating, you know, and not really saying, oh yeah, I've been kind of working with a nutritionist. And these are the reasons why I've lost weight and and they can explain it in a healthy way. If they can't explain it, there's something deeper going on. And I would just say, you know, don't be afraid to confront it with them because ignoring it is only going to validate to the athlete that what they're doing is correct and they look good this way. Awesome. Thank you so much for opening up and sharing. I really appreciate it. I know our listeners will as well. Sure. 
Yeah, I you mentioned one thing about social media. I can't stand social media. I think being a high schooler or even a middle schooler this day and age is harder than ever. I mean, everybody's always comparing each each other and themselves to people they see online. It's incredibly unfair, but I think you nailed it with, you know, be who you are and be confident in you and who you are. And it, you know, if you're strong and you're athletic and healthy, that be you. Um and there's no there there's there's nothing else you can do. Um, but moving right along here, I am a judge in the high school setting. I judge state meets um, and I have judge NCAA division two. So not nearly the level that you're at, but I'm very interested in judging. Um, so what did you do to get involved with that? And how did you get to such a high level? Yeah. So the first thing I did, given, you know, my background as being on Team USA, um, I reached out directly to the head of judging for the United States, Koki Huffman, and asked her how I could get certified at the highest level. FINA offers courses um, around the world, actually. Um, they haven't had as many in the past few years because of COVID. Of course, there hasn't been as many of mm -hmm. anything in the past few years because of COVID. But um, they typically offer um, a few a year. And so what you do is you reach out to the representative. So in our case, it was uh, Koki Huffman and let her know that you're interested. And so um, she will nominate you. And then if FINA accepts you, um, you go to a three to four day course. Um, I went to Canada. It's typically held at a competition because part of the course is shadow judging. So you have two days, I believe, um, in classroom where you're kind of going over the rule book, you're going over the different um, fundamentals of judging, the elements of judging. It is incredibly technical. So you have two days of, you know, that type of a course, and then you'll sit for a day or two in a competition alongside the real judges. And, um, you know, an evaluator will evaluate your scores. And then after that, you take a written test. Um, and we do have to take a written test every year. Um, that is part of keeping up our certification. And then if you pass with whatever the score is that they have, uh, you get a certificate and you are officially a FINA certified judge um, representing your country. So that was really helpful for me because when it comes to collegiate level judging, being a FINA certified judge is not a requirement. That being said, at the NCAA level, I believe it is truly preferred. Um, and you'll see most of the judges at the D1 level will be actively FINA certified. And the FINA certification, you know, you have to keep it up. It's only good for two years at a time. Um, there's a process by which if you receive enough um, evaluations that you are able to have your certification renewed for another two years without going to a class. But if you don't have the opportunities to get evaluated, then you do need to go to a class again. Um, so they are very, you know, stringent and rightly so, making sure that we stay updated on all the rules. Um, we take judging very seriously. We wanna be consistent as a panel. We want to make sure that the correct divers finish in the correct place and that it is a fair um, playing ground. Um, so yeah, so so I did that. And, um, you know, and then in terms of like the college uh, level, a lot of it is word of mouth um, with some of the conferences. Uh, there are kind of leaders of each conference and they will reach out and see if you are available. To, to judge for the conference. Um, and NCAA has an official application process. Erin, um, I'm sure you're familiar with that, with the D2 process, it's the same as D1. Um, and then you just kind of find out if you get an email saying, you know, you've been invited. Um, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, um, because there's only uh, seven that they take um, and then one referee. Yeah, um, I did have a follow-up. So when it comes to that classroom setting and you said it was very, very detailed and they go over a ton of different things, um, how much of that with, you know, just very simple diving, judging knowledge from the past, how much of that was new? How much did you learn? Um, take me through that classroom setting and how kind of eye-opening that part was. Well, um, I believe that this, uh, the FINA judges courses started in 2006. Um, so, you know, back when I was judging, um, they didn't have, I believe, this official sort of um, judges class. 
And so with my background, you know, I just kind of would, as a diver, look at a dive mm-hmm. and say, you know, that's a seven, that's an eight, that's a four. You know, I, it's just yep. kind of, is, it's natural and ingrained in you because you've seen so many dives and you've seen judges score so much that you kind of figure it out. What I was most surprised by was just like how much mentally goes through my mind now that I'm sitting in the chair as a FINA judge. And yeah, I mean, I would say that nothing was really new to me when it came to the elements of the dive and what they were looking for. But what was new was that, okay, if you, you know, um, for example, have, uh, you know, crimped knees, it's a half to two point off, right? So those types of like technicalities of how much I can take off for certain points of the dive, that was new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, it's very interesting because when I am sitting in the chair, I am so hyper-focused through every single element of the dive, um, you know, uh, the starting position, um, the approach, the takeoff, the flight, the entry, kind of go through all of the deductions in your mind or some of the things that they did well, you want to reward them for, then it kind of goes into the overall impression. And then you kind of, you have to categorize the dive and then you have to think back to, okay, I saw the same dive around before was, you know, what score did I give Mm -hmm. that? Was it better or worse? So I have to do all of this in like literally three seconds, you know, before the announcer potentially says, judge five, please enter your score. (laughs) I'm not sitting here asleep. Um, I'm literally thinking, can I have, <laughs> yep. so, so yeah, so I would say that the class definitely, um, was interesting because it, you know, there was a lot of technicalities that I wasn't aware of. Um, but overall, um, I'm pretty familiar with watching diving. Um, so yeah, you're, you're really speaking my language. I love what you had to say, everything about it. You know, I actually called our, our head state official, uh, in Minnesota here just this week. And I told him, I said, man, I'm, I'm really struggling raising my scores. And, you know, I, I do the same thing. I go through the checklist. I go through, you know, starting position, approach, flight, entry, and then overall, you know, I do everything and I find, you know, things that were deficient. And I, I kind of hammer those, I guess, more than everybody else. And so if a dive goes way to the side of the board on, let's say an inward one and a half, it's like, to me, you know, if you're, in the gymnastics gym and you jump to the side of the beam, well, you fall off. That's, that's yeah. the same, that's the same yep. thing for us. So, yep. you know, I'm, I'm giving really low scores. I'm getting dirty looks. I'm like, guys, it's, it's right here in the rule book. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm doing my best, but dives are just, they gotta be better. <laughs> I totally agree. And that's why, you know, one of the things that I hope for, um, you know, with diving is that we can get truly neutral judges who are educated yeah. at every level, you know, you know, not just at the highest level, but at the lower levels, because we want our sport to be fair. And these kids train really hard and their parents spend a lot of money and they put a lot of time in and they're driving the kids to and from practice. And then they show up and, you know, if they feel that, you know, coaches being in the seats, judging it could be more fair if it was truly neutral judges then I think that's what we should aspire to. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's neat hearing, you know, more from a coach's perspective as a college coach, you know, we judge our dual meets from time to time, but it's really neat to hear you both talk about it because one of the things I always tell my athletes is I'm like, give the judges a reason to give you a good score. Don't give them a reason to take points away. And so like, we really harp on like having your feet together, crimping your let, like, don't give them a reason to take points away. Like, um, but I did have a follow-up question, you know, in regards to the FINA course, do you know of any upcoming FINA courses that are in the works or maybe available to any of our listeners that might be interested in that process? I have heard that there is a potential for a FINA course at Senior Nationals in West Virginia. Um, so I have been told that if you are interested, you should email um, Lee McCod, the CEO of USA Diving, um, and express your interest. Um, I do know there's like a limited set of people that can be included in the course, but the more interest that he sees, um, the higher likelihood that we're going to be able to pull it up. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, moving forward here, you know, you've listed already just a very impressive list of meets you've already judged, but what are some of the more memorable judging experiences you have had up to this point in your judging career? Yeah, I, um, 
Okay, so I truly love judging junior nationals. Um, it is absolutely a circus with like everything that is going on, but the kids are just so cute, um, especially the little ones. So that is really fun for me. Um, I gave a 10 to Carson Tyler on his gainer three and a half a couple years ago on three meter and it was just incredible. So that was a fun highlight. I love giving tens. Um, I've given three in my career nice. to date. Um, and then I would say, but the most memorable was this past year, NCAAs, the men's three meter final was just stacked. I mean, Olympian after Olympian, and these guys brought it. And the final round, there was four front four and a halves in a row. And it just gave me chills. I mean, it was incredible uh, that, you know, I walked off that panel and one of the other judges who is a two-time Olympic judge looked at me and he said that final was as good as a final at the Olympic games. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, Heath, so Heath I, and I were watching that. We just, I vividly, you know, for me, the three meter competition, the one dive I remember with Jonathan Sukow's front four and a half, it was just yeah. like, Stupid. where whoa just, where did he go where did he... right so, yeah. so i do i do have to ask you said you've given three tens one is to carson tyler who are the other two the funny part is the other two are to the same athlete bryden hattie um oh, canadian yeah. diver yep. uh yes he has uh done some some beautiful dives off of 10 meter um that were truly worth a 10 and uh, nice. i got to tell him actually at ncaa's that uh you know two out of three tens in my career that i've given to him uh you know so he was very is that, about that is he at tennessee is that correct mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. yep, yeah. okay that's awesome so but I look my forward to giving so many more. Um, <laughs> there's literally nothing more fun for a judge than when we're just like, yep, that was excellent. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Um, so as I've been thinking more and more about judging, you know, the, the career path kind of comes in my head. Is there a career in judging? What kind of career is there in judging? You know, if I can ask, you know, do you get paid to go to some of these meets? How does that all work? Oh gosh, I would love it if there was a career in, in, in judging. That would just be so fun for me. Um, unfortunately, at this point of, in time, um, it's more of a hobby. Um, you know, I do have a day job. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I go to, and again, this is just speaking from my personal experience. I probably do two to three college meets a year and then one to two USA diving meets a year. And if I'm, if I'm lucky, you know, one international meet, um, and that's really it. Um, as far as being financially compensated, um, the NCAA and the college conference meets, yes, we are independent contractors and they pay for our flight, our hotel, our food. And then we do receive um, a financial stipend um, for our time. And as far as on the other levels, um, at the local level, uh, typically, um, you know, uh, actually, this, the Southern California Association, Amy Kwan, um, has a really great program there, and she does compensate FINA judges um, at the local level in uh, Southern California. But primarily in U in USA Diving, um, they will pay for your flight, your hotel, your food, and occasionally we get a stipend, um, but it's not a guarantee. And, you know, I definitely think of it as just a really incredible hobby um, but it's not something that I could quit my day job and financially live off of. Unfortunately, it's not like an sure. NFL referee or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and that's totally okay too. you know, as you, as, as I kind of weigh, you know, future decisions, staying in the sport at a high level is so much more important than any kind of, you know, big bucks you'd bring in from staying at a high level, at least in my opinion, because I know I won't be a high level coach. <laughs> Why are you selling yourself short there, Eric? You never know. <laughs> I don't know, man. My my high school divers are, they're okay. But uh, yeah, it's a different world to go to the college level. And yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, we'll see. So, so talking judging still, what is your preference to judge? One meter, three meter, or tower, and why? Hmm. I mean, that is a great question. I do love judging them all. Um, I think my favorite is platform just because it's 
so exciting. And when a dive goes right, it is just so beautiful. Um, I, you know, so with springboard, I love judging springboard as well. There's just a lot more moving pieces, especially because of the hurdle. Um, you know, so much can go right, so much can go wrong, um, especially these days with the high hop hurdles. Um, you know, but yeah, so I would say my favorite is probably platform, but I am incredibly comfortable judging all three of them. Um, and just, yeah, we, we don't, we don't get to choose. I'll tell you, we don't get to choose. You, <laughs> you get assigned and, and that's where you're going. So, right. you know, you have a good attitude about it and you look forward to, uh, to the great, hopefully great diving you're going to see. Yeah. Yeah. So one question, um, just because you kind of had written kind of some answers to our outline. So I have to ask you, what is the best one meter dive if one sticks out to you? Cause you said you've been close to giving a 10 on one meter, but you haven't. Yeah, I gave um, very close to giving two athletes tens. Uh, one would be Curtis Matthews um, and the other would be Juan Hernandez. And, yep. and, and so both of them were at the SEC championships on one meter, both did front two and a half pikes that were just, out of this world and like there was just one element like oh. one element for each of them that I just couldn't go 10 and I went nine and a half and I just I wanted it so bad because they're both just so fun to watch um and are so technically sound um but yeah so you you, you said Curtis Matthews and so badly deep down I want I don't know why I think his 205 from prelims of NCAs this year on one meter is one of the best, if not the best back two and a half tuck I've seen in a long time on one meter. It was so good, but yeah, uh, they, those two men are so fun to watch. A hundred percent. I mean, a lot of Curtis Matthews takeoffs are what I would consider textbook. Like right. I would like video of them to train judges because the parabola um, that he executes with his front, you know, and, and his back just staying so close to the board I mean on his backs just you know the way he jumps um mm -hmm. just absolutely textbook we Heath and I even recognize that you know watching yeah. NCAAs this year I say he does he just jump higher than everybody why how it's can stupid. he possibly how can he go that high but stay that close yep. you know usually yep. there's a little bit of if you're going up you, you have to go just a little bit more out but he just doesn't and it's it's yeah. incredible yeah, it was, it was wild. Like the one thing that's, and we actually, and we told Curtis this in our interview with him, one of my athletes, we were watching it in my office as like prelims is taking place and finals. And I remember in prelims, he did reverse one and a half, two and a half twist. And he went short. And I remember my one female athlete looks at me and goes, how does he jump so high? And he went short on that dive. It's the easiest dive. He doesn't, I go, dude, I don't even know how he jumps so high in that hurdle to let alone <laughs> figure out the rest, but yes. Yeah, so, so correct. I love watching his takeoffs. So that, that was neat to hear that you're excited about takeoffs too. Oh yeah. We, I mean, that's a big thing. Um, mm -hmm. If you're in the middle of the pool, if you do a great front four and a half and you're in the middle of the pool and you rip it, there's, there's going to be a deduction for being yep. in the middle of the pool. Um, yep. So yeah. <laughs> Yep. That's good. Um, okay. So you've had some international judging experience and that's kind of where this next question comes from. What are the areas that you feel that are strengths and weaknesses in the American diving? Yes. Well, I just want to start by saying our American athletes in Tokyo did outstanding. I am so proud of them. Everyone was so proud of them. Um, just incredible accomplishments. Um, and they all are just really great role models, I think, for the next young generation. If I think about the next young generation and where we can improve um, from a judging perspective, I would say I would encourage the kids to focus on the basics, the fundamentals, the flat feet, your split tucks. You know, you may get away with it when you don't have FINA certified judges judging you, but the second you get in front of, you know, the, the big time competitions with the FINA certified judges, you're going to notice your score go down um, because of flat feet, because of, you know, wide split tucks, um, because of just messy form, um, crimps in your knees, you know, back two and a half pike, gainer two and a half pike, your, your legs need to be straight. Um, and so, you know, those are things that I just feel are just so easy to correct the pointed toes, the, the, you know, the split tuck, 
And it's worth it because you're going to be missing out on, you know, sometimes a point, point and a half in your score. Um, so that's what I would love to see the American kids um, really focus on. And, and, and I want to say some of them are doing an absolutely great job with that. And some of them, I think there's room to improve. Absolutely. Um, you know, looking forward in your judging career, what's next for you and what events are you most excited for in the you know immediate future? Yeah. So um, I'm really excited to judge uh, Winter Senior Nationals. Um, that's always really fun. And that'll be a qualifying event um, for the kids. And then I have um, already signed up for SECs um, next February. So I love doing that conference. You know, college is so fun because it's combined with the swimmers. So there's just so many fans in the audience and you really get to see the swimmers come and support the divers and they're all sitting around the pool deck and they're cheering so loud. And so I really look forward to competitions like that because diving isn't a mainstream sport whereby like we get that many fans in, in the stands. So it, it's really nice to see the kids get the, you know, accolades and the attention that they deserve. Very good. Uh, next one I have here is how can other people get involved with judging and, you know, who do you contact? Yeah, I would say if you're looking at the local level, contact your local diving association. And the best way to do that would be going on USA Diving's website um, and finding out who the local clubs are. And if you can't find anybody digitally, I would encourage you to just walk into the pool <laughs> and, you know, and, and ask the questions uh, to the local coaches. Um, if you are thinking, if you have the background uh, that would lend uh, to having enough experience um, being a diver yourself and that sort of thing, uh, I would say contact uh, USA Diving. Um, and as I've mentioned a couple of times before, uh, Koki Huffman is the head of the USA Diving judging program. Mm -hmm. And one more thing I just kind of had to add to that. Um, I'm a, again, small time judge compared to Erica here, but the really, really fun thing, and this is just me saying, please, we need more judges because I know Erica would be saying the same thing. The, the panel that you get to interact with when we're at meets and we're, when you're at a big meet like NCAAs, you know, it's so much fun to get in that room and everybody's passionate about the same sport and you all get to watch the same dives. So before the meet, you're excited. After the meet, you're excited. You get to recap and just you know, having that diving brain and that diving talk and getting that fill with people that are like-minded and we all think so similarly, it's honestly, it gives me just as much joy as it did when I was diving. And it's, it, it may be, you know, at times, maybe even more, you know, cause you can say, oh, did you see, you know, he went between the boards on this one. He would have hit if he didn't go to the side and, you know, from a different perspective, maybe they didn't see that. And it's not like a, oh, I did better than you this meet. It's like, hey, we got the right finalists. We got mm -hmm. the right outcome. And it's mm -hmm. so much fun just to talk with so many people that are like-minded. And I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to say, Aaron, you are absolutely right for deducting for a diver that jumps to the side <laughs> of the room. So, you know what? Sometimes you're the only person that's correct on the panel, even out of seven, you know? <laughs> so, so good. I, uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely okay. hammer dives. I, I, I almost like, I'm to the point where I've stopped apologizing. I'm like, guys, it's not me. Just let's just do better. <laughs> it's, it's the rule book. <laughs> I, I, I still remember. Um, did you ever have the fortune to meet Don Lee's Erica? Uh, yes. Yes. So yes. Don Lee's has, has since passed. He's the, the first ever diving coach at Clarion. And now I'm the third ever diving coach. And I remember judging on a pant uh, at a dual meet with him. And I remember he looked at me and he said, cause I gave, I think I gave a, a dive a six and he gave it a four and he's like, why'd you give it a six? I was like, Oh, I thought it was a good dive. It was like my first year college coaching goes, they jumped to the side. If you putt a, a golf ball and you miss four feet to the right, is that a good putt? And I'm like, no, you missed. And he's like, same idea with diving. And I'm like, <laughs> and ever since then, that's always been my go-to like in no other sport. Is it okay to be four feet to the right or yep. life? And I'm like, oh, and like, that's something I'll always remember. So yep. it's neat to hear you guys use that as an example. Um, you know, you, you did mention the, the need to have a day job and, you know, really supplement being able to be a judge as a hobby. What do you do for work? And um, if you'd be willing to elaborate on that at all. Yeah, sure. So I am in digital advertising sales. Um, my clients are pharmaceutical manufacturers. I've been doing 
this for um, two companies over the past decade. And uh, today I am with a company called Doximity, which was founded in 2010. And it is a health tech company um, who has an app that provides tools uh, to make doctors' lives easier, um, their practice more efficient. So because we have an app that doctors are using daily, um, about 80% of US doctors in the country use the app. Um, it's incredibly successful and valuable to doctors. Um, of course, then um, pharmaceutical manufacturers are interested in educating physicians about their products. So I'm kind of the go-between and work with pharma to develop um, branded and unbranded um, advertising campaigns to live within the Doximity app um, so that we can help educate doctors on the products that they may or may not be considering for their patients. So I really like it. I, I'm remote, um, which is great, but I do travel to Philly, to New York, to San Francisco quite a bit. Wow, um, it's a great culture and a great company. And the fact that I'm remote is just perfect for judging diving, because if I had to be um, somewhere in an office nine to five, that would not work. I would not be able to do as much judging as I do because I would constantly be have to requesting, you know, PTO and the amount of judging that I want to do doesn't align with, you know, a day job um, at a desk. So this is great. I just, I take my laptop um, wherever I go. And when I need to take paid time off because I'm judging the entire day, like a junior nationals um, <laughs> I, and then, you know, NCAAs where it's literally just, you know, an hour or two, um, I'm able to kind of do both. That's awesome. Cool. So I'm interested outside of the pool, what are things that you're passionate about and things that you enjoy? Yeah. So, you know, my friends, my family, um, you know, and it's been really great being back in the diving community, reconnecting with a lot of my diving friends. Actually, a couple of girls um, and I have uh, been planning a potential reunion. Um, we got to figure that out um, because it would be just so great. And I think with social media, it's been so nice to stay connected to everyone. Um, but I am living in Scottsdale, Arizona now. So, you know, the, the trendy thing is to pick up golf. So I am attempting golf, which is so hard, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and being a high level athlete myself, I really don't like to do sports that I'm not good at. And, you know, it's funny because I've been taking lessons with two coaches because I, developed some really bad habits with my swing during COVID when you couldn't work with coaches. And I just had my brother take video on my swing and I hated it. So it's just like a hurdle. I, you know, you really want hurdles to be aesthetically pleasing, to be fluid, to be smooth. I want my golf swing to be aesthetically pleasing, <laughs> fluid and smooth. And it is not. So, you know, I'm kind of have this obsession right now with trying to get better at golf. Awesome. I, I love that every you know the the listeners already know I'm a big golf guy nice. John Fox is a big golf guy there's a whole yep. bunch of people out there and I it it is an insanely frustrating sport you can have things figured out one day and then the next day you go out and it's like I have no idea what I'm doing and it's humbling but most I'm honestly most importantly for me I love just walking. I love walking the golf course, chasing a little white ball around and, and either having a great conversation or just staying in my head and working through a couple of things that way. But that's really cool. Yep. Totally agree. All right. Well, we'll get into our signature questions here. Um, I ask everybody what your favorite failure is. And we don't treat failure like it's a bad thing. We treat failure like an opportunity for growth. You know, you either win or you learn. So in that sense, what would you say your favorite failure has been? Well, I guess it would be the one that has defined my diving career the most, which was not making the Sydney 2000 Olympic team. Um, but, you know, I've had a lot of questions over the years of like, would you go back and do anything differently? And, you know, it's kind of a, a silly thing to even discuss because we can't. So why are we even talking about that? But yeah. um, if you change something in your past, or if you could change something in your past, there's a domino effect of the rest of the things change. And I'm sitting here today, happy, healthy, have loving relationships, um, and have learned so much uh, through, you know, that failure that I, I really wouldn't change it because that would potentially change the rest of the course of the last 20 years. And I'm happy with the last 20 years for the most part. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That makes me really happy to hear. Um, that's excellent. Excellent answer. Uh, next one here. I always ask whatever diving arena you come from, how can they improve? There's always room for improvement. Um, you have the, the, the run of the show in terms of that, you know, you come from USA diving at a young age, you're FINA certified. So you could talk on the international level. You're of course, a NCAA judge. Um, so it really could come from any one of those. I wrote down, what can USA diving do to improve? But I, I feel like you could really take that question at anywhere. Yes, I have a very simple answer for you. Um, I believe that USA diving would improve if we could have neutral judges at all levels, including the local level, but especially for regionals, for zones, and for nationals. I would love to see 100% neutral judges, and I am so passionate about it, and I am more than willing to volunteer my time to help get a program you know, going. And um, that's something that I'm hoping that I'll have the opportunity to influence in the coming years. There's a lot of people that have been working so hard trying to do this um, for many years. It is not easy. There's been blood, sweat, and tears. You know, this is not a new idea. I just want to say, again, there are people who have worked incredibly hard. Um, we're making progress and we will continue to make progress. And, but I really feel strongly that the coaches should be coaching um, the athletes deserve the coaches full attention. Um, the parents deserve their child to have a completely fair playing field and to have their coach be able to pay attention to them when they are competing and not be distracted by having to judge, you know, a dive. So that's where I would say I would love to see the improvement, um, there, but, uh, it takes time and, um, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. I really like that. Yep. I totally agree. So now looking into this, what is, what was your favorite drill as an athlete? It could be dry land or water, whatever you prefer, but what was your favorite drill to do as an athlete or most beneficial, however you'd like to take it? Yeah. I mean, the hurdle is just so important. I think practicing your hurdle on a dry board, practicing your hurdle on a trampoline. Um, the trampoline is obviously fun doing flips. Um, so that's kind of a fun way to do all the drills, but Basics, basics, basics. I was able to get a 10 meter list um, and be senior national champion by the time I was 16. I didn't get a sen senior list on platform until I was 14, but how I was able to apply those skills and take, you know, the one and a half up to the two and a half up to the three and a half so effectively was, you know, I had a Chinese coach who fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Yeah. You are doing jumps, you are doing lineups, you are not rushing to learn your optional. Yeah. So that's, I think it's, you know, easy to skip the basics because the basics aren't super fun. You know, kids want to go and they want to flip and they just want to twist. And that's why we all do it. And I get it. But in order to be, you know, a world-class diver, you have to spend hours, years on basics. So mm -hmm. that's how you'll get to that level. Absolutely. Um, best advice you've given or received, and it could be both if you'd like to give both. Yeah. So interestingly enough, um, this past week I was in New York, um, my company held an event with a physician panel and the keynote speaker was Layla Ali and she is just incredible. Let me tell you the amount of fantastic advice that she gave, um, and the way she delivers it was impressive. But one of the questions from the audience was, how do you continue to stay motivated, especially through COVID? We've all had so many changes, so many conflicting yeah. priorities, you know, sitting in front of a computer eight to 10 hours a day, sitting on Zooms in your sweatpants, like at a certain point, you know, a lot of us have just become mentally exhausted. And what yeah. advice would you give as far as like having us, you know, stay motivated? And she said, it's, you know, something that I found really profound. She was like, go look at your resume. You know what you put on your resume. You put your accomplishments. You put your best self. Be that person that shows up every day. Be the person on your resume. You know, you, your employer deserves that. You deserve that. Every day we have a choice of how we're going to show up. Are we going to show up as average? Are we going to be lazy today? Are we going to, you know, um, go the extra mile and show people kindness today? Like, how are we going to show up? And she just said, show up as your best self, as the person on the resume. And that's the reason why the company hired you, because you said you could do that. 
So show up as that. And, you know, I think that that also can translate to the kids, you know, thinking about practice. If each kid were to write down kind of, you know, their diving resume and then their goals, you know, and I think that's very important for these kids to think about. And then when you get to practice, some days you're not going to feel like practicing. (laughs) I went through it so often. I'm like, do I really have to do another backflip on the trampoline? Yes, Erica, you have to do 30 before you move on. And it was just like, oh, I'm so tired. It's so much repetition. But, you know, then you need to switch the focus in your mind and say, I need to show up and, and practice as my best self because I have these goals, you know, and I told my coach that I want to accomplish these. How am I going to get there? Show up as your best self. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such like, you're sitting here and I'm like, oh, that's like, it's so simple, but so like, it's so impactful. Um, so yeah, just awesome. And then, um, my last question is who would you like to hear us interview next? Who do you think would be a good interview? And you can give us a list. If you had a list, it doesn't have to be one person. Oh my goodness. Well, I would totally fangirl out if you were able to get Dimitri Sauten, um, the Russian diver who's, you know, I mean, I grew up diving with him looking up to him. I got to share a platform with him. I got to see him clap for my dives. I mean, I thought I was just like, literally, what world am I living in? Um, He was the most humble, gracious champion. He, you know, had a, a smile on his face and congratulated the other athletes when he didn't win. Um, and when he did win the same way, I mean, he's just incredible. And for me, you know, there's Greg Luganis, there's um, Dimitri Sauten, um, you know, there's Tom Daly and, mm-hmm. you know, there are a few others, but uh, Dimitri Sauten to me stands out and I would just love to have you guys interviewing him and really find out what he's been doing since diving. Yep. Honestly, you, you are the first person that said that name and you said it. And I'm like, how have we not thought to find out if there's, you know, most of our contact that we initiate is just Instagram. So, uh, we might be reaching out to people in the diving community to see if they can help us get in touch with that one. Uh, but that's a great, great pick for us. Um, you know, before we say goodbye, just a reminder, it is the last weekend. You guys will hear about this from us. Um, we have our coaching clinic down in Moultrie at Moss Farms this upcoming weekend, September 23, 24, 25. Uh, it's going to be a great event. If you haven't signed up, make sure you do it as soon as humanly possible. I think they are going to cut off the registration um, at some point this week. So please don't miss that. Hope to see as many coaches and athletes there as we possibly can. Um, and from the last thing for me, Erica, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this evening. So it was awesome getting to speak with you. Yes, thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. So hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod. Our email is the diving pod at gmail.com. T-shirts and hoodies for sale, divingpod.itemorder.com. Enter dive pod at checkout. That gets free shipping. As he said, thank you, Erica. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. I have seen your kind of judging resume build and build and build. And as that kind of weighs in my head of hopefully doing a little more down the road, I was really excited to talk with you. So thanks again. You're welcome. All right. We'll see you next time.